Okay, we are continuing together our study in our, uh, the subject of the, of the Doctrine of the Covenants. And we are concluding today, God willing, our study in the subject of the Davidic Covenant. And uh, we said regarding the Davidic Covenant is that um, God established this covenant with David in 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 to 16. And um, he um, made three promises to David in that covenant. Number one, that his throne would go on forever as dynasty. He would never lack a son to sit on the throne of the kingdom of God. And number two, that that son that would sit on his throne would be in a special way, the son of God. And number three, that son that sat on that throne uh, forever, and that would be in a special way, the son of God uh, would build him a temple or a house. And we see that this was uh, fulfilled uh, in Solomon. And, uh, and yet it was ultimately and completely and finally fulfilled in Jesus Christ just like the promise to Abraham of a seed uh, was fulfilled in Isaac, but ultimately it was fulfilled in, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have been looking at uh, Christ as the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. And we saw that when he was born, uh, the angel said that the Lord God would give unto him the throne of his father, David. He would reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there would be no end. And so John the Baptist comes and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why? Because the king himself is coming. And of course, the whole ministry of Jesus uh, was um, dominated by the theme and the subject of the kingdom of God. And uh, he was constantly teaching on the kingdom of God uh, or if you will, the kingdom of heaven. And so we have this massive teaching in the New Testament about Jesus being the son of David uh, and and sitting on David's throne and the prophecies regarding David and his covenant being fulfilled in Christ. And over and over and over again in the scriptures, uh, these things are spoken of. And we have seen them in numerous passages. Uh, We have said that the kingdom of God is to be understood in at least three aspects. Um, The word kingdom of God uh, refers to the church as it is here now on earth. The kingdom of God also refers to the whole world, including the church and all the unsaved people in it. And the kingdom of God also refers to the new heavens and the new earth that are to come in which um, there will only be a righteousness and righteous people. And so we saw that threefold distinction in Matthew 13. And so as we read about the kingdom of God in the scriptures, we need to understand what aspect of the kingdom is being spoken of um, by looking at the context in which that phrase is used. Is it talking about uh, Christ's rule over the church? Is it talking about Christ's rule over the whole world? Or is it talking about the kingdom that is not here yet? Uh, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so um, looking at these passages, uh, we have seen that the word kingdom is used uh, in these various ways. So we can say the kingdom is already here 
And we can say the kingdom is not yet here. And both of those statements would be true. And uh, so uh, salvation means being brought out of the kingdom of darkness, which is the kingdom of Satan, and being brought into the kingdom of light, which is, of course, um, the church, uh, that group of people who are genuinely saved and born again. Now, I want to just talk for a, a minute about the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of Satan. Uh, the Bible presents uh, the truth that, that uh, in, in, in a sense, Satan is a king and he has a kingdom. And um, he is a father and he has a family. And uh, Jesus said regarding the Pharisees, you are, of the uh, you are of your father the devil and the lusts of your father uh, you will do. And... Um, and the way King, uh, pardon me, the way Satan obtained his kingdom is through tempting Adam and Eve to fall into sin. And uh, as a result, uh, he gained a dominion uh, in a limited sense over the earth and over uh, the people that dwelt upon the earth. And of course, what Jesus is doing is he's coming uh, as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and certainly the king and the Lord of Satan and of his kingdom. And he is invading the kingdom of Satan. He's ravaging it. Uh, he did that by first binding the king, the strong man. And uh, he's now taking uh, his subjects captive for himself. And so where does everyone who is in the kingdom of God come from? Well, they came out of the kingdom of Satan. And so Jesus, as it were, invades the kingdom of Satan, uh, defeats Satan at the cross, binds him, and now he just takes whoever he wants out of the kingdom of Satan and brings them into his own dear kingdom, into the kingdom of light, as we saw from Colossians chapter 3. So what's happening is that Jesus uh, is, is, is building his kingdom uh, by conversion of, of his elect out of the kingdom of darkness. Now, that's where we concluded last time. Now, today what I want to do is talk about the practical implications of Jesus being uh, the son of David, sitting on the throne of David as the king over the kingdom of God. So let's turn, please, in our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. And... Uh, we're going to be looking a lot in Matthew, and the reason why is because Matthew is the gospel of the king and the kingdom. Um, Israel, of course, was looking for a king uh, to sit upon the throne of David, and Jesus was precisely that king who came and did sit upon that throne. And so the gospel of Matthew is all about the king and the kingdom, and uh, all about the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. And it's impossible to understand the gospel of Matthew if you don't understand the Davidic covenant. Because the gospel of Matthew is the declaration of the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant and the promises made in it. And that's why in chapter 1 and verse 1 of the gospel of Matthew, it says the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then you'll notice in verse 18 of chapter 1, it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. 
And when Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Uh, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, what? Thou son of David. And so we see that uh, once again, there is, why did the angel mention that he was a son of David? Why did he mention that? There was a reason. And the reason why is because uh, he wanted to demonstrate that Jesus had a right to the throne of David because that legal right passed through the father, in this case, the stepfather. And um, therefore, uh, Mary, of course, was also of the lineage of David. So by blood uh, through Mary and by legal right through his stepfather, Joseph, he was a descendant of David and thus one who had the genealogical right uh, and the legal right to ascend to and sit upon uh, the throne of David. So it just starts here and it just goes on. And the book of Matthew is filled with uh, teachings about the king and the kingdom. Now, the fact that Jesus rules with kingly authority uh, means, of course, that he has power over all things. You remember our memory verse for next week. Uh, Jesus says, all authority, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Now, if that's the case, then we would expect to see him exercising that power and exercising dominion over things. And indeed we do. So uh, having been um, inaugurated um, into his ministry through his baptism by John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3. And then in Matthew chapter 4, he goes to the temptation in the wilderness. And uh, he goes to Capernaum. And it says in, in Matthew 4 in verse 17, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we see that the very first message that came out of the lips of Jesus as he began his public ministry after his temptation, after his baptism and his temptation, was the kingdom is coming. It's at hand. It's here. And you need to be prepared to enter into it and to embrace it. And so then what we see is the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus sits down. Uh, he's called a couple of disciples, okay? And uh, he sits down, chapter 5, and he begins to teach. And it starts with the Beatitudes. Verse 2, chapter 5, he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. And then he closes the Beatitudes with verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> Now, if you're going to have a king and you're going to have a kingdom, you're going to have laws, right? So the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is the exposition by the king of the laws of his kingdom. He says, you've heard it said of old time, you shall not commit murder, but I say unto you, and he defines um, the laws of his kingdom. You've heard it said of old time, you shall not commit adultery. You've heard it said of old time um, that... Um, uh, you shall not forswear thyself, but shall perform unto the Lord thy oaths. Um, you've heard it said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. And so what he does is he spends these next three chapters uh, correcting um, false teachings regarding the laws of the kingdom. And he establishes the true laws of the kingdom. 
And he concludes uh, by saying in chapter 7 and verse 24, um, <clears throat> well, let's just let's start out verse 21. Chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. The what? The kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. How he determines the loyal subjects of the kingdom is do they obey the laws of the king? Someone who never obeys the law of the king, even though he says, oh, you know, you're my Lord, you're my king. The uh, Words are cheap. Actions speak. And uh, he says, many will say, he says, not every man that says to me, Lord, Lord, turn to the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my father, which is in heaven, that is the one who obeys the laws of the kingdom. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have not we prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess to them, I never knew you depart from me, you that work iniquity. So the king disposes of his enemies. Verse 24, therefore, whosoever heareth his sayings of mine and doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house on a rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house that fell not, for it was found out on a rock. And everyone hears these sayings of mine and does them not. should be likened to a foolish man which built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And so the point is, is that either we're building for the kingdom or we're building against the kingdom with our lives. And if we build in harmony with the principles of the kingdom, we will stand uh, in the day of judgment. And if we do not, we will be cast down in the day of judgment and be cast into hell. And so the king has um, established the laws of his kingdom. And he has uh, informed those who would be subjects of his kingdom what it means to be in that kingdom and under the rule of that king. And what they must do in order to have the blessing and the approval of that king when the day of judgment comes. Now, having then established that he's the king, that he has a kingdom, these are the laws, and that the consequences of not being subject to the king and the kingdom are incalculable, and the blessings of being subject to the king and kingdom are also incalculable, he then begins to act like a king. And in chapter 8 and 9, he does amazing things. And so we see in chapter 8, um, beginning at verse 5, that he has authority over illness. It says, chapter 8, verse 5, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me. This guy recognizes Jesus as a king. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And to another man, Come, and he cometh. To my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to him, Them that followed, Verily I send you. I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But... The children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to the centurion, Go thy way as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. So this centurion recognized this is the king. All he's got to do is speak the word uh, like any king does, and stuff happens, right? And so he recognized that he was a king not over soldiers, but over sickness, 
and he could just speak and sickness had to obey. And uh, he was a Gentile, and that's why he says many from the East and West, many of the Gentiles, us people, will be able to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom. But the children of the kingdom, namely the Jews, are going to be cast out because of their unbelief. Now, let's go to chapter 12, and we're going to be coming back to Matthew 8 again several times. But let's go to Matthew 12, and we'll follow this theme through verse 22. Matthew 12, 22. <clears throat> It says, then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil. Now notice the symptoms, blind and dumb. He couldn't see and he couldn't speak. And Jesus healed him insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spoke and saw. So this is called a healing, okay, just like we read about. Now notice the response, verse 23. And all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? And so we would expect that a king would have authority and power to command demons and sicknesses to take a hike and they would have to do it. And, and so when they see this kind of power, instantly they jump to the conclusion, this is the son of David. This is the one that is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. Now go to chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20. Verses 30 to 34. And behold, Matthew 20, 30. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us. And on what ground do they plead? O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace, but they cried out the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? And they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. And Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. So when healings occurred or when healings were desired to occur, it was understood that they could occur because this was the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant, this person. And that he had the power of God sitting on the throne of God to do the works of God. All right, so if Jesus rules with kingly authority, then he has authority over illness. And uh, so when we're sick, who do we go to? We go to the king of sickness. And we cry out to him, Lord Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me, heal my body. Jesus also rules over nature. Turn back to Matthew 8. Um, we're going to be coming back to Matthew 8 um, and 9 several times because instantly he, he just goes out of the gate and he just does a bunch of kingly stuff. Okay? Matthew chapter 8, <clears throat> verse 23. It says, um, And when he had entered into a ship, Matthew 8, 23, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, and so much the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And so if he's the king, well, he's got authority over nature. 
and he can command the winds and the waves, and they just got to do whatever he says. When the king speaks, nature obeys. Now, turn, please, to Matthew 14, and we'll see the, the real clear connection here. Matthew 14, 22. Um, this is the another incident on the Sea of Galilee, Matthew fourteen twenty two. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get in a ship to go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up the mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was alone, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed to the waves, for the wind was contrary. The fourth watch of the night, Jesus went forth to them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear, but straightway Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, desire be not afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee in the water. And he said, Come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked in the water to go to Jesus. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art, what? The Son of God. Now, where did they come up with that phrase from? Straight out of the Davidic covenant. God said to David, Your son is going to be my son. And so whenever you see the phrase, The Son of God... In the context of the exercise of kingly authority and power, it's a direct reference to the Davidic covenant and the promise that was made. That's the second promise, right? That the son of David would be the son of God. And they said, if you have the authority, the kingly authority to command the winds and the waves, then you have to be the son of David, the son of God. All right. So then we would expect that he would have authority over demons. Turn back to Matthew 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. See, all this stuff's happening in Matthew 8. Authority over sickness, authority over nature, authority over demons. Matthew 8, 28. When he was come to the other side of the country of the Gergesenes, there came to meet him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce. So no man might pass that way. And behold, they cried out saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God, son of David? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? There was a good way off from them, a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. He said to them, Go. When they were come out, they went to the herd of swine. Behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place in the sea, perished in the water. They that kept them fled and went their way to the city and told everything that was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. Um, they preferred swine to the Savior. The economic loss of the swine uh, was more important to them than the deliverance of these two men from the power of Satan. Isn't that wicked? That is just wicked beyond, beyond belief that they would tell the king who has the power to command Satan, go away, we prefer Satan. Just shows you the depth of human depravity. And you know how many people make that choice today? Every time you preach the gospel with somebody and they reject it, what they're saying is they prefer Satan and swine to the Savior. Anyway, 
Turn, please, to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15, 21. Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Thou son of David. Why would she use that term? She used that term because she knew that he was the one, because he was the son of David, he had power and authority to be able to accomplish her request. For my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil, but he answered her not a word. And the disciples came beside him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But she answered and said, I am not, he answered and said, I am not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not fitting to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, A woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So she came and appealed to him on the basis of the fact that he was the son of David, that he could heal her daughter. And when he says, My kingdom is for the Jews, she says, Yes, Lord. But there's promises in your word that the benefits of the kingdom that's being established for the Jews is going to spill over onto the nations and we're going to get the crumbs. Crumbs are a pretty good meal, aren't they? Are you, are you, are you satisfied with the crumbs? I am. I am. Um, thank God that his grace extends to the Gentiles. Okay, so once again, uh, his, his authority over sickness, he's the son of David. His authority over nature, he's the son of David. His authority over demons, he is the son of David. This daughter was grievously vexed with a demon, and he cast the demon out. And then, of course, Jesus has authority over people. Turn back to Matthew chapter 9 now, since we've pretty well exhausted chapter 8. And the king continues to um, exercise his authority. Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses uh, 1 to 8. Here we see his authority over sin. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came to his own city. Behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying in bed. And Jesus, seeing their face, said to the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For whither it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man has power on earth, authority on earth, to forgive sins. He says to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thy house. And he arose and departed from the house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power or such authority unto men. And so what Jesus is saying is, Look, uh, as a king, I have the power to release my subjects from the penalties of my laws. You know, it's like when somebody offended the king, right? And they were supposed to be put to death. They could go to the king and they could cast themselves on the ground and say, oh, have mercy on me. And the king could uh, pardon them, right? I mean, our governor has that power. He can pardon anybody in prison that's committed any crime just by fiat. Signs a statement. They're, they're pardoned. And what Jesus is saying is that as the king of the kingdom of God, I have the power to forgive sin. 
And uh, then he has power over people, Matthew 9, verse 9. And Jesus passed forth from thence. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he says to him, follow me. He goes around and he tells people what to do. He tells them, abandon your previous lifestyle. Abandon your previous possession. I mean, he didn't ask this guy. He didn't say, uh, Matthew, would you like to, and I can offer you all these benefits, and it's a great package, and won't you please come? <laughs> There's none of that. The king commands, and the subjects follow. He just walks up to Matthew, and he says, follow me. And Matthew, you know, the king has spoken. I'm, I'm on my way. And he left all, and he followed him. Matthew 21. Matthew chapter 21. Verses 4 to 9. Here's the triumphal entry. They went into the village. They, they found an ass. Uh, they placed him on, on the ass or the donkey. And um, it says um, in Matthew chapter 21. Uh, now all this was done, verse 4, Matthew 21, 4. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh to thee meek and sitting upon an ass and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples did as Jesus commanded them. And a very great multitude spread their, uh, 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 let's see, verse seven. And they brought the ass and the colt and put them on them their clothes and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to who? The son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The word Hosanna means save, I pray. Okay? And so what they're saying to the son of David, who is coming as the enthroned king into Jerusalem, but as a humble king, they're saying to him, save us, bring us into your kingdom, deliver us from this kingdom of darkness, which of course was the Roman kingdom. And so the point is, is that the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem was a declaration that he was the son of David sitting upon the throne of David come to deliver his people. Now, the deliverance he was bringing was not the deliverance they expected. Now, as he, he went into the temple then and as Lord of the temple, he kicks out all the money changers, right? Because that's his house. You know, you don't go in the king's house and do stuff the king doesn't like. That's why in this house, we do what the king likes. We don't do what the pastor likes. And we don't do what the people like. We do what the king likes. This is his house. And um, so he, he kicks out uh, the money changers. And uh, it says... Um, Verse 15, and when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple saying, and here's what the children were saying, Hosanna to the son of David. <laughs> they were really annoyed because they knew if Jesus really was the son of David, their rule and authority was at an end. See, the scribes and the Pharisees ruled over the nation, right? They were, quote, the kings. And here was a rival king coming along, actually the son of David. And uh, they didn't like that. And that's why they wanted to put him to death. Uh, just the same way Herod wanted to put him to death. Because he was afraid. Remember the wise men came? What'd they say? Where is he this born king of the Jews? 
king of the Jews, the son of David? Herod said, oh, well, uh, let me go worship him too so I can cut his throat. And, and of course, you know, he, they fled to Egypt, so he couldn't do that. Um, but um, anyway, uh, it just king, 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 and rule and authority and power over all things. And then, of course, he has authority over death. Matthew 9, 18. Matthew 9, 18, while he spoke these things, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead. Come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And, of course, that's exactly what happened. Um, verse 25, when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose, and the fame thereof went abroad into all that land. And... Um, so in verses 23 uh, to 26, uh, we see that he has as a king the power to even command death and control it. So the point I want to make to you is this. Whatever opposes the king is defeated. And so if you have a problem with sickness and you have a problem with natural catastrophe or demons or people, or sin, or death. Where do you go for the remedy to those things? You go to your king. And you say to the king, I'm one of your citizens. I have a problem. Will you, the son of David, in all of your authority and power, come and solve my problem for me? The king loves his subjects. And the king loves to exercise his rule for the benefit of his subjects. Remember we said, Jesus said in, in John 17 too, he says to his father, as you have given me power over all flesh, that I should give eternal life to as many as you have given to me. And we said he rules the world and he rules the church, but he rules the world for the benefit of the church. And so what we see Jesus doing is for the benefit of his people, for the glory of his kingdom, exercising power and authority over every dimension of human experience and human existence. And so the great comfort that Jesus is the son of David sitting on the throne of David is that he will defeat all of our enemies. And there is no enemy that will rise up against us that can defeat us. And there is no enemy that will rise up against him that can defeat him. And that's why people, you don't have to worry about Islam taking over the world. It isn't going to happen. The king will defeat them. And so it is with every other ideology. They all lie in the grave. The king still sits on his throne. His people still triumph. And that's why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph through our Lord Jesus. Can the king ever be defeated? Neither can his people. Christ wins and his people win. And that's why you want to be in his kingdom, under his authority, where he is your Lord, Jesus Christ. Because there's great security and safety under the authority of a, of a king that is good and powerful. He's good. He only does good. And he's powerful. He can defeat every enemy we have. So rejoice in the fact that the Davidic covenant has brought you a king that will defeat all of your enemies and will secure all of your victories. 
Okay, next week, read chapter 12. We're going to move into the New Covenant, okay? Also, I have books. I brought books. Don doesn't have a book, and some other people don't. So, are they still in the car, Caleb? In the backseat of the car? They are. No, they're there. Yeah, I'll bring them in. Yeah, let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, our glorious King, Jesus. Thank you that he is the Son of David, the Son of God. Father, we pray that today we might just rejoice and rest in the rule of our King. And Lord, when we have any problem, let us go to our King and find in His authority and in His power the solution to our difficulties. Lord, we thank You that the Son of David has come. And we thank You, Father, that as He gives commands, we are pleased to obey those commands. And so when He says for us to go into all the world and make disciples... Teach them to observe all things he has commanded. We are glad to submit to that command and rule. Deliver us, Father, from the heresy of the teaching that says that we can accept Jesus as Savior without accepting him as Lord. To accept him as Savior without accepting him as Lord is to say he's not the son of David and he's not sitting on the throne of David. Such heresy, Father, will damn souls to hell. Thank you, Father, that um, we have his yoke on us. It's easy and it's light, but it's a yoke. And, Father, we are under his authority. And we are glad. We are glad to acknowledge that and own that and submit to it. Lord Jesus, rule thou in our church and in our lives and in our homes, in our nation. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.